Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. I'm really excited to introduce my guest for today, Rebecca Ryan, who is an economist, futurist, and founder of Next Generation Consulting. I'm going to read a quick background on Rebecca, and then we're going to jump in the episode. As a top 50 professional futurist, Rebecca partners with private and public sector leaders across the country. Looking a generation ahead, she outlines strategies in urban planning, economic development, and workforce development to ensure communities are well-equipped for future trends and challenges. But rather than looking through a crystal ball, Rebecca uses strategic foresight to prepare for unknowns. Chock full of eclectic experiences, Rebecca allows her unique background to inform her work as a futurist. The lessons learned from her pro basketball days overseas with a team of Hungarian women keep Rebecca on her toes. Her Zen practice keeps her grounded and generous. A proud Wisconsinite, her Midwestern roots drive her passion for community and cheese. Rebecca has held residencies at the Alliance for Innovation, the Governing Institute, and the Association of Governmental Risk Pools. Her keynotes have reached high-level officials and legislators worldwide, and she has been featured as an expert on various national news outlets, including NPR, News Nation, The Business Journals, and Newsy. Rebecca is a graduate of Drake University with a certificate in strategic foresight from the University of Houston. She is on the executive committee of the Global Association of Professional Futurists. And you can always find more information on Rebecca at her website, RebeccaRyan.com. I'm extremely excited for y'all to get into this interview. I hope you enjoy it. Without further ado, please welcome in Rebecca Ryan. Rebecca, pleasure to have you. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me, Brian. Yeah, this is exciting. It, you know, with the Just Get Started podcast kind of mission, you know, kind of obviously stems back to how I got started with this whole thing. Um, and what I've what I found out is how interesting everyone is with everyone has these getting started moments, these shakeups in their lives, because most of the things they've done years ago are probably not what they're doing today, or at least their mindset's different on it. So that was it was fascinating with you and kind of it, it seems like and, and I'll, I'll let you kind of share some stories, but you know, it's been a while here, maybe since around the recession or something that kind of kicked you into gear to maybe the path you're on now, or if maybe if that, you know, some of those events didn't happen, you wouldn't be. So I always like to start with, can we start with a getting started moment? You can take that one, or you can, maybe it's another one you want to share that, that kind of change your thinking and mindset uh, to move forward. Yeah. It's a really generous question. I mean, my company turned 25 this year, but it's really been three different companies. And so for your listeners who count on you for like, okay, what are those moments? You know, like, am I having one of those moments? Can right. I resonate with that moment? Um, I, I've found in my business that there are a lot of those moments and they're always an opportunity, but the one that you're referring to was really marked. So it was during the great recession of 2009. Mm -hmm. And the name of my business is Next Generation Consulting. And for the first, you know, 15 years or so, I had really been focusing on generational differences in the workplace. And after that many years of doing it, I was really good at it. I was really good at the work we did. I did speaking, consulting, I wrote books, but I was kind of bored with myself. And then the recession came and um, it was really hard. I mean, I had to lay off 10 people in my company. And it started with my sister-in-law, which was, oh my God, it was How'd terrible. that conversation go? 
well, she's great. Um, so she made it easy and we tried to do right by everyone we let go of. I mean, I, I am a big believer that, you know, these quote unquote, terrible things that happen to you, that's where all the learning is. You know, you don't really learn a lot from success, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you learn, but you learn a lot more from, from, you know, getting dirty getting bruised anyway it, it wasn't an easy conversation but um it was i guess she was a good person to practice on because then yeah. we had to have many other of those conversations um but the the turning point for me in terms of just get started was i kind of fell into a depression because it's a depressing thing to go through a recession is depressing to go through and then on top of it you know having your business suffer so much and um the turning point was just this moment of clarity where I had been so focused on generations, next generation consulting. I'd been focused on that middle word. And I thought, oh my God, we have to focus on the first word in this business. What is coming next? Because during big disruptions, people get really spooked about the future. I mean, we just saw this happen with COVID. So what else could I do to help give people clarity and perspective about what was coming next? And once that shift happened, I don't want to say it was joyful because it was still hard. Um, But I think for every listener out there, there is that there you've all experienced moments where you felt a shift. And then if you have the courage to honor it, to really listen to it, yeah. it life becomes more of a dance, you know, yeah. and, and less of a sort of flailing around in the dark. Yeah. You know, the, I like to kind of talk about, you know, you, it's one thing that cha- we all want to change, but it's committing to that change and, and enacting certain things, whether it's new routines or practices or a thought process to get you on that path and to stick on it. Because we all say, you know, we, we all have plenty of moments in life where like, oh, we're going to do X and then you never do X. Yeah, It's because you didn't put a plan into place to actually accomplish that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm actually curious if, can I, we take a step back before we go forward is leading up to, you know, 09, as you kind of a retrospective, I guess, on, on the journey, 06, 7, 8, assuming the business was doing well, if, if someone's listening in, obviously we're going through a pretty tough financial, you know, uh, section here, mid 2022. Um, but having hindsight now, are you able to look back at like things you would have done differently to, so you wouldn't have to go through those layoffs? Like, are there clearly blind spots you had in the business that you didn't even consider until the recession came? It's a, it's a really good question. Um, and the first thing that I think about Brian is when COVID hit, I literally thought, oh, here we go. You know, like buckle up, this is going to be the great recession all over again. And so the, the, the things we did some things well during the great recession. And then there were some lessons learned, as you said. So number one is I got really transparent with everybody about the financial condition the company was in. Um, I, I, you know, I said, we're just going to be on sort of a freeze in terms of revenue right now, or in terms of income right now. And I took, I don't know if I took a 30 or 50% pay cut, but I said, I'm cutting my pay first 
everyone else stay right where you are. You're going to stay right where you are. But then I outlined like the tripwires. We literally had plan A through D. In fact, I published it on my blog because what I've found is uh, certainly this helps me. And I think if you want to be a good leader for your people, you want people to have a sense of perspective and control, right? So, okay. If, if they at least have the perspective of, I know what my boss is thinking. I know what the tripwires are. I know what I'm going to be asked to do. I'm not going to be asked to do anything that my boss isn't willing to do. Um, and then I was very deliberate about saying, you know, we're going to use this period to become best in class to do remote education because that was still available to us. We were getting lots and lots of calls about what can you do on Zoom? We want to bring a message to our people and so forth. So um, it's like when people have something to focus on, like you talked about a new routine, a new habit, whatever it is, when people have something to focus on that feels useful, that's helpful to themselves, to other people, it really almost serves as like a rallying cry for folks, mm-hmm. you yeah. know? So those would be my big lessons. Like let people know what you're thinking, have a plan in place that makes sense. Leaders eat last. So you're yeah. the, you're, you should be the first to take a pay cut and just keep those lines of communication open. We were having meetings two times a week for about a month. And then I realized okay, we can probably, yeah, we can probably ease up because things were going overall pretty well for the company, even during, um, during COVID. Mm, Okay. I mean, I think the transparency is so important because, you know, the opposite is we, we've all been through is when you're like, there's no communication, like what's going on? I can't even, you know, and now you feel like you're in the dark, like, uh oh, are they hiding something from me? Right. And yeah. people have this natural tendency when there's a communication vacuum, like they'll fill it in with something. Mm-hmm. For sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. We'll make stories up in our head. That's that's for that's for damn sure. Um, so did I read this correct? So you you go through this, you lay off folks, you have, as you mentioned, kind of some um, a new mindset, maybe change some mental struggles there. You went back to school? Yeah, I went to the University of Houston. I mean, okay. I announced to my team what was left of my team. I said, we're going to become futurists. We're not going to stay in this multi-generational workplace lane. We're going to all become futurists. And there was one person who didn't want to do that. And so like that also became a personnel decision. So um, the people who wanted to go through foresight at the University of Houston did. um, And those who didn't, didn't. And um, I, I, I just knew in my bones that this was the direction the company needed to go. And that's, yeah. that's our current iteration. Yeah, well, I was, the, the, the word that came to mind, now you may or may not agree with me on this, the word that came to mind when I saw that was humility. Because you can certainly have a big ego and be like, listen, we laid off some folks, we're moving forward, business is okay, you know what I'm saying? But you decide to say, hey, wait a minute, let's, let's take a step back. Where are we at with the business? Where are we looking to go? And gosh, we need to educate ourselves more. We need to think differently and to, to go back to, you know, get more education and change the whole course of your business. I mean, that's a, that takes a lot of humility to do that. Would you agree? Yeah, maybe, but I was in the right place. I mean, I, I believe I fell into a depression during the recession because I just felt so, I mean, it's a terrible thing to have to lay people off. You know, I I was a kid who I'd seen my dad get laid off when I was in elementary school. And I know how hopeless that felt. And Mm -hmm. um, so to think about doing that to to other people and other families was really a hard, it was really hard. I was, it's like, if you're going to go through something that hard, you better make it add up. 
you know, you better learn something from it and not do it again. Um, I'd like to think that I'm humble, but I think the other part of it, Brian, honestly, is I was bored with what we were doing. Hmm. We were doing a great job, but it's like being, it's like being, um, it's like being a best-selling musician and then just going on tour and only doing your greatest hits and like yeah. never creating anything new. Yeah. So this, this, in addition to being something that I thought the market could use, it was also something that I think I needed for my own refreshment and rejuvenation in my career as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You kind of just were singing the same tune. I like that analogy because that's, yeah, you start getting bored. And, and so sometimes shaking it up a little bit is not a bad thing for, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So can you share, a, I want to hear your definition of a futurist and, and why that it was important for you or for the, the business. Yeah, so I think the easiest way for listeners to understand what a futurist is, is to think about two other classifications of professionals. So think about historians. So hmm. those are folks who study the past. Um, journalists, that's a profession that reports on what's happening now, the facts today, this hour, this day, whatever, right. maybe this week. Um, and then futurists, people like me, professional futurists, we study trends that are likely to happen in the future. So we look at these trends and then we imagine, you know, we, we, have, a, we have processes to do this. This is a professional process that's used by the United Nations, the World Bank, um, the Fortune, many of the Fortune 50, the Disney Corporation. Um, but we look at these patterns and trends that are emerging and we just try to figure out how to work with these trends that are happening or create the future that we want. If there are some trends that are, you know, counter cyclical to our business or whatever, it's like, okay, how can we work with these trends? Mm -hmm. So we're just trying to develop futures, you know, bright, hopefully brighter futures. And so what a futurist does is um, in, in my case, I work with a lot of um, public sector or public sector adjacent clients, people who work in economic development, workforce development, community development, um, to create the communities and organizations that are going to, you know, do the most for the most people. Um, so yeah, that's what I do as a futurist. So, so how do you, and I don't know if there's a correct answer to this, but like, are there certain like barometers of success to say like, okay, things are trending in this direction because of these indicators? Like, mm -hmm. like how, how do you come up with like, I think I saw with, again, doing community development, urban planning, those type of things, right? You're, you're some, you know, a lot of these, you know, especially if it's like local governments looking now, you know, 20 years with their comprehensive plans and stuff, like, how do you know kind of where that's going? But like, like I look at, I, this is a random, but, you know, we were talking here, you know, I live um, in North Carolina, just outside the Capitol. And uh, I, I think the area I live, they've, uh, 5x the population in the last 20 years like how do you see that coming I guess you know or or can you I don't know yeah no no you can I mean um, population growth statistics are some of the easiest to find so you, you're in North Carolina I happen to be visiting North Carolina at this very moment I'm waving out my window right now um, but you know, we know that North Carolina will go from the 12th most populous state in the U.S. to the eighth most populous state in the U.S. I think I think that's by 2030. 
it might be by 2040. But um, so what we know is we know things about um, birth rates. We know things about um, migration patterns. You know, a lot of people are coming here to retire. Um, the job, the kind of job creation that's being created. Now, those are all estimates, but they tend to be pretty good estimates. We really do have sort of the population projections pretty much dialed in. And then, so that's one category of a of trend that we would look for in a community. And, and an easy to remember acronym for listeners is STEEP. S for society, T for technology trends, E for environmental trends. The second E is for economic trends. And the final P is for political trends. So what we often do for clients, probably 90% of the cases, is we do a steep horizon assessment for them. And we find the 30 to 50 most likely trends across those five categories. And we start with that. We start by saying, here's the state of the future. Okay. And how many of these trends are we ready for? And how many are we not ready for? And what is the preferred future? How are we going to sort of shape things so that they unfold in a way that in the case of your community, right, you 5X the population. Well, that probably means we're going to have to have alternatives to single family housing. That probably means we're going to have to be really thoughtful about um, traffic patterns and maybe even public transportation patterns and how we make public transportation more accessible. So once you start to see all the trends that are likely to happen in the future, it really helps you start to imagine like, oh, okay, <laughs> some things are going to have to be different. We have to start now. And so is it more of coaching or do you actually say like, y'all, if you don't do this, you're in deep trouble. <laughs> like at one point, when's the tough love come in of like, Hey, this is happening, whether you like it or not. Yeah. Um, well, so is it coaching? Let me come to that one first. So I, I foresight to me is three things. It's a mindset. And what I mean by that is futurists are extremely curious they're not attached to being right or wrong about something. They're very curious about what's happening. So you have to bring a certain open-mindedness to this, an exploratory mindset. So the foresight is a, is a mindset. It's a set of techniques. So there are all different kinds of, we gamify some things. We, you know, we have all these different techniques that we can use depending on what the client needs. I mean, sometimes people are like, Rebecca, I have three hours on a board of directors go, you know, like help them get the future. Okay, <laughs> you know, it might take us a month of prep, but we'll deliver up some sort of amazing experience that they have exploring the future. And they're like, holy cow, you know, so a mindset, a set of techniques. And then in our case, we have a four phase foresight process that we take people through. So phase one is sensing, and that's where we would do the horizon scan, like what's happening out there. Mm -hmm. The second phase is imagining where we, we consider multiple plausible futures. So we don't just look at one future, we think about a challenging future, we think about a really optimistic future, we think about a business as usual future, we look at multiple futures. The third phase is defining. So now that we've looked at what's possible in the future, what is the future we want? And that's called the preferred future. And then after you define your preferred future, then it's time to start implementing. Okay, what are the projects we need to start working on now so that we get this future that we want? So it's really common to use foresight like before you'll do a visioning, um, a new vision, 
or if you're working on a new strategic plan or you're getting into a new line of business, Foresight is a really useful tool so that you have a very exploratory mindset before you hone in on the future you want yeah. to create. I can see that being, you know, I'm just kind of thinking personally, you know, for, you know, an entrepreneur or someone starting a business like that probably is very valuable that almost none of us are doing, you know, I mean, our business. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's what I was going to ask is, and, and maybe you can take us back you could, kind of two questions, I guess, are paths here around that, but you know, one is, yeah, how can this be implemented for the, you know, the average person that's maybe doing this in their life. Um, but two is with your business, when you all made that change, Hey, we're going to, we're going to go back, you know, educate ourselves in this process. We're going to become futurists and move in that direction. How long did it take, or what were some of the hurdles to get the business back to being solvent again, where there wasn't additional layoffs? Maybe you could hire more folks back or whatever. Like, did that take a long time or did you find some success early on? Yeah. Um, Well, let me do that second question first, and then we'll come back to the using foresight as an entrepreneur. Um, So when we went back to school, when our company went back to school and we decided to reposition ourselves as futurists, it took a couple years. Um, You know, the the education part took a couple years and we were then down to like three people, you know, there were just three of us. And in a way that was, that was a great time because the over our overhead was so low. Um, We didn't have to serve dozens and dozens of clients and it gave us a lot of freedom while we were developing our, you know, our new skill set, our new processes, our new techniques. But the good news is, you know, anybody who's been in business for any amount of time, your clients, if you've done right by your clients, they'll stick with you, mm-hmm. you know? So when we, we came back to our clients and said, we've got some new techniques to help figure out the future. And there was enough trust there. And we had thought through our processes enough that we got some early wins. Um, mm-hmm. And then, and then it was like, it was like the, when I first started my business, it's like every good project leads to more good projects. You know, it's that old reputational thing. So it, it took a while. I mean, in my mind, um, it probably took, I don't know that this is totally accurate. So I'm guessing here because I didn't look this up, but I would say it took us five years to get back to parity um, to where we were before the Great Recession. And in some ways that feels like a long time, but in other ways it kind of feels miraculous because we were able to stay in business and we were able to pivot into a completely different field in five years. So um I mean, there was a lot of hand wringing in there and a lot of months that I didn't get paid, many months that I didn't get paid, but, um, you know, we did it. We did it. Now this thing about, um, entrepreneurship. Um, so when we decided to pivot the business into foresight, we didn't have the benefit of having gone through school, you know, (laughs) through going through the training, we just were like, let's do it. But I will say every other time that we've perceived that, something in the current mix of what we offer products and services is fading or that there might be a new opportunity. We go back and use foresight on our, on ourselves. So there's a blog from early 2022 of like, how does a foresight use, how does a futurist use foresight on their own business? And we break it down and we talk about the things that we we're seeing coming and how we're going to pivot our business. And for any entrepreneur who's listening, or even if you're, I mean, I think of myself as an entrepreneur and I've done this for 25 years Um, because I keep reinventing the business. But if you're 
inventing or reinventing your business, we've got a blog called New to Foresight, Start Here. And it's a good way of kind of walking through, like, here's how to think about foresight. Here's how to apply it. Okay. New to Foresight blog. Okay. Um, any any call outs? Like, is there one? I don't want, again, it's always tough to say, like, what's the yeah. one key? But is there anything specific you would share with that? Well, so maybe I could do like a quick kind of diagnostic with the listener. So okay. listener, dear listener, if you feel like things are wide open, like there's no, you're not, you, ha, you don't have a gun to your head. You don't have any fast moves you need to make. You're literally like, I just want to explore the future of my domain. Start at the beginning of the foresight process, go through the sensing process, explore those trends in those five areas. You, you are going to learn so much just going through that process. It's going to help you with whatever you decide to do next. Now, if you do have the proverbial gun to the head, if you feel like you are facing a fork in the road and you have to choose to go right or to go left, I recommend, um, there's a, a blog and a series of webinars we've done called, um, planning amidst uncertainty. What an unsexy name. But anyway, planning amidst uncertainty. So when you don't know where, how things are going to break, and that basically walks you through how to design some scenarios to explore, okay, if I go right, what happens? If I go left, what happens? And after doing that exploration, you can make a more informed decision. It's, it's just a more... Um, I guess a more rigorous <laughs> version of the pros and cons list that you might do. Um, yeah. What's the, I, I'm, I'm going to butcher, I'm remembering the quote now where it's like, everyone, like you, everyone needs planning, but you never actually use the play. Like it's always going to change. Right. I, I can't remember. Maybe it was Jim Collins or something. I can't remember exactly, but um, I'll, I'll look it up. But anyways, yeah, it's like the whole thing. Like it's important to really plan now, but chances are, you're planning because you don't really know what's going to happen. You can make some assumptions though. Yeah, exactly. My, my teacher, um, Dr. Peter Bishop at the University of Houston, he used to say, you know, cause people always say, well, why do you look at multiple plausible futures? Don't you just wanna plan for the future you want? And I mean, as, a, as futurists, as professional futurists, we say, well, that's a little bit naive <laughs> to yeah. just plan for one future. Cause there are so many variables. Um, but Dr. Bishop would always say, um, no plan is perfect. You know, none of these, none of these scenarios that you design is going to be 100% true, but the process itself are dress rehearsals for a future that definitely, you know, the future is coming, whether we like it or not. Mm -hmm. And the more we can sort of do tech rehearsal for like what could happen, the more overall prepared we are. It's like, I, I play professional basketball in Europe. And what's crazy is like, why in Europe? Because I'm so old that there wasn't a WNBA in the United States at the time. But, um, you know, I always played for coaches who focused on defense, always highly defensive coaches. And so I've spent a lot of time on the balls of my feet because it, you know, if you haven't played sports, you, you don't know, but you don't play defense flat footed. You play defense actually leaning forward. So the same thing is true with foresight. Like you do foresight, you do these futures so that you can be ready for anything so that you can be on the balls of your feet. Oh, wow. That's a, yeah, that's a great little analogy there. That is true when you think about it. Uh, you're ready basically to, to uh, act when needed. Yeah. 
Um, I, I want to chat just about mindset because you talked about obviously going through the the tough time in in 09 and maybe it was a tough time for many years as you had to re you know transition the business or what have you. But can you share a little bit about just one the importance of a positive mindset and maybe maybe it's some stories you went through um, where you weren't. You mentioned being depressed and stuff like that. But anything you share that's helped you, I guess maybe remain level-headed, maybe stay positive or optimistic, you know, about the future? Yeah, I, I really appreciate having the opportunity, Brian, to talk about this because we know that, um, you know, during COVID and, and even now in this post-COVID stage, a lot of people are, are struggling with mental health um, and depression. And I did too, you know, I went through a pretty rough patch over the winter of 2021, 2022. And, um, so some of my insight about this comes from just going through this several times. And some of it comes from my training as a, as a Zen practitioner, as a Zen student. But if you, if you or loved ones, you know, say like, hey, you're different, you know, like you don't seem yourself, um, don't fight that, really listen to it. And I think the thing that helps you stay even-headed or, uh, or on a more even keel is curiosity. Mm. You know, there's, there's a difference between, and, and I'm not trying to go too deep with you either, but I remember reading in your bio, Brian, that you sort of were like kind of going along with your life in your twenties. And there was, you were sort of, you know, searching a little bit. Right. And then you had a moment where something different clicked, but the searching is about being curious. Mm. And to the extent that you can, even if you're truly depressed, even being curious about what is depression, yeah. you know, what, what is this about? What are the things that I can do to show up in my life in a way that I can take better care of myself? You know, for myself, I noticed that I just stopped doing sort of the acts of daily living that were my routines. I know you're, you're a big routine guy with your morning routine and your night now routine. I am. Yeah. And the yeah. reason I know they're important because I wasn't always like that. So the, uh, yeah. Has it helped with your mental health and like with your optimism? Oh, sure. Yeah. The, I mean, I think my, I really believe the bedtime routine is the, my most important and it sets up the morning routine. Yeah. Yep. Because if you don't, I, I realize if I don't go to bed at the correct time and do some of the, th you know, putting the phone away at least 30 minutes prior, reading a little bit, um, I, 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 I journal, it's interesting. Sometimes I'll journal for three, four months straight. Other times, like as we're recording this, I probably haven't journaled for about three weeks. I go through these periods where sometimes I, mm -hmm. sometimes I've done this though in my life. I kind of like a break <laughs> to come back and rejuvenate myself. Um, but, I, but either way, it's going to bed on time and getting the proper sleep so that, because one of the things not to go too deep down the sleep rabbit hole, but one of the things I really realized several years ago was that not only waking up in the middle of the night, sometimes as you get older, that happens, you know, you, you can't control that, but, um, but just the general of like not being able to fall asleep. And then ultimately in the morning, you're so groggy because you have that alarm wakes you up. Being able to wake up prior to my alarm has been one of my big goals. And I've got to the point where I would say probably, you know, maybe 60, 70% of the time, um, I wake up prior to the, uh, the alarm going off, which is a, a huge win, which means That's I know awesome. I'm slept. You know, properly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, and the difference that that makes. 
Um, but yeah, sleep and depression are so intimately tied together. You know, if you can get your sleep right. Mm. Um, and But there's also some titrating you have to do because too much sleep actually makes depression worse. It's it's really interesting. So I, I did a deep dive into the science of this, all of this stuff over the winter, and I don't need to go into all of it. But, but what I would say is um, having true curiosity is not only a key to good mental health, I think it's a key to happiness because the antidote to boredom isn't happiness. The antidote to boredom, or excuse me, being unhappy um, doesn't mean you should try to be happy. I think one of the antidotes to unhappiness is curiosity, you know, is like, is there something I'm interested in? Um, that, 100% that, agree. Yeah. yeah, right? Well, Absolutely. you know, it's funny. One of the mantras for, you know, my just get started mission is you only discover happiness once you discover yourself. And, and there's a level of curiosity and they're like being okay with sitting in your, you know, sitting with yourself and like just thinking and just, you know, it, or hey, there's, maybe there's a big decision that you're going to make. Okay, let, let's go through the checklist of what are my priorities in life? What are my values? Like, how am I going to make this decision? And generally, I found decisions are actually really easy. It's that we fight ourselves because it might be an unpopular decision with those around us, or maybe how we've acted in the past. But I think most of us know the answers. We just don't like to question ourselves a lot. Right. Or if we know the answer and we don't like the answer, I mean, right. how many times have, you know, think about all the listeners you have, and there are listeners out there who have known that they've been in the wrong relationship. Mm -hmm. And then you've got to, I mean, you've got to cancel a wedding or, you know, divorce somebody or break up. None of those things is comfortable. So would you rather stay in the long-term discomfort of the wrong relationship or go through the short-term acute discomfort um, of breaking up. And these are, these are hard decisions to make. Um, you said, you talked about sort of thinking, sitting with your thoughts on this and, you know, the Zen meditator in me is like, and the next level is thinking with no thoughts about anything, you know, because it is pretty shocking how, um, you know, I'll, I'll come to my cushion in the morning and I might, I might be really clustered around something like a couple of weeks ago, I had some new content I needed to present. And when you haven't, when I haven't done something before, I'm nervous about it because I want it to land right. And I don't always do as much prep as maybe I should. And so there's a little bit of like the skating on thin ice, like, well, I hope this goes well. Right. Um, so, you know, you, I'll go to the cushion and some of those thoughts will still be in my mind. And then as I lengthen my exhale, and that's the whole key for me is just those deep, long exhales and the mind stops. There is, you know, we, we all are immovable mountains of wisdom. Yeah. It's just that we pay attention to everything except what's not moving, you know, that that deep mountain within us. And it's that deep mountain that that creates that silent, powerful voice of what the next move is. It's thunderous. You know, if you've yeah. ever had that, that you've heard, you've heard something be said to you, you know, and you're like, where did that come from? Well, it was your deep inner knower, probably. And then you face a choice do I do this or do I pretend I didn't hear it? <laughs> yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a great point. Well, it goes back to, you mentioned something about, you know, kind of my journey a little bit. I, I just want to make sure it's clear. It's like, yeah, for a lot of years in my twenties, definitely is I was just complacent. And I just, I kind of, I, I bought into the theme that I was told as a kid was, you know, get an entry-level job, work your way up, make some money, 
don't, you know, the whole don't bang into the walls kind of Steve Jobs thing, right? And, you know, have a family and all that and all that'll be good. And that voice kind of hit me, I, you know, it was kind of around really the first time 0809, but it was really probably 11, where it really hit me and like, there, there was kind of, two, <laughs> I always go back to movie quotes. So it's kind of two movies. So one is, I felt like the Truman show, like I felt like I was stuck. And you're seeing you're like, I know there's something out here. I know this doesn't feel right. There's got to be something more. But it's really it's, um, I like to use the matrix amount uh, analogy of is once I took the red pill. And I and I, what I what happened was I started to expose myself to, um, you know, this is when YouTube was starting to get popular. My, you know, I was fortunate, my brother, um, you know, started one of his businesses. He had a, a web development business that I came and worked for a little bit. So I started to see, ah, that's interesting. Wait a minute, kind of a one degree of separation here. And I see what he's doing. This is interesting. So anyways, I had some of these influences in my life that ultimately maybe said, well, wait a minute, is, is this it? Or I think I want to do more to help people because that's always what it's come back to um, is why, I mean, you may have saw, like I define myself, my one word, a navigator um, and, and navigating people just get started because like, that's something I always wanted to do because I felt as a middle child, I wasn't getting any love. I wasn't getting any attention. I, and I felt that if I can help other people that allowed me to get to the, so in a way it was kind of an interesting path, but anyways, that's, that's a long and, uh, and way of saying like the curiosity was a huge thing. Like, but I really had a, I, I want to call it sit with my, cause I didn't know it was like sitting with myself, quote unquote, back then, but it was really just like thinking about what do I really want? And although it's unpopular with all the people that were around me, I, I have to push forward. I mean, even now I look at it, like Obviously, there's a lot of a, a circle that I, you know, hang around that was different than just a few years ago. But even a lot of my friends I've known for a lot of years, I probably get looked at with, you know, like I have three heads, you know, when it's like, oh, you're writing children's books or you're doing sales coaching or pot, all these different things. I never would have thought 10 years ago I was doing that. But it's just those things that progressed as I opened up and was open to exposing myself to those things, if that makes any sense. Congratulations yeah. on the book, by the way. That's super cool. Thank you. Yeah, I got I got my third one actually being illustrated right now, which is kind of cool. So the children's books are a fun avenue, but it's like, it's so crazy. And, I, and again, everyone listening, I really like encourage like I wrote that first book, Luke's first round of golf, I wrote most of it in 2012, early, you know, early 2013. And then I shelved it for like six years, because I wasn't, I didn't think I could do it. Like I published a children's book. I'm an author, I almost failed English, like all these things in my head you know yeah. it's just I totally it's crazy know. yeah it's crazy how we put ourselves down so much you know yeah and the, like the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves and they're just empty air pockets like I think and that's one of the things um I really want your readers to know like to just get started some of it is questioning your own narrative that you're telling yourself about mm -hmm. why you're not getting started. My friend Jan says to me all the time, is that true? Or is that something you're telling yourself? Mm -hmm. um, and in Zen, you know, we talk about this often that um, this it's when you, you get wrapped around the axle, when you start getting wound up in the story you're telling yourself about what's happening, rather than just focusing on what's happening, right? Like right now, Brian and Rebecca are having a conversation. Mm -hmm right? That's all that's happening. Is this a podcast? It will be eventually, right? But right now it's just two people talking at each other. Yeah. 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 
So let me ask you this then. Well, and, and you've already shared some really good advice, but let's say someone is getting started today. What would you share with them to get them started? Is there a quote? Is there a, something that you kind of have as bulletin board material? You know, maybe it was back in the, the playing days you used to do to get you amped up to play. I don't know, but anything yeah. you'd share? Well, I think, um, yeah, there is something that I'd, I'd like to share. And some of this just requires a little bit of background. And that is, so again, kind of just going back to my Zen practice, the way that we focus our breathing is we count our exhales, starting with one and ending with 10. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I was first training and the, and the rule is like, if you lose your count, cause it will happen, you will forget what number you're on. Cause you will start thinking about other things. You go back to one. Mm -hmm you go back to one, you go back to one. And I remember joking as a, as a younger Zen student that I was going to write a book about my early Zen days and it was going to be called back to one. But the, the, the hook here for your listeners is every single breath is an opportunity to start again. So guess what? You're going to screw up back to one, just go back to the next breath. And if the next breath needs to be like, Hey, Brian, I screwed up. I'm sorry. Just do that. Take care of business and then start again. So every breath is an opportunity to start again. And um, you don't have to worry. I'm thinking about like the organizers who are listening, who are like, but I don't have my entire 10 year business plan written out. Who cares? Do you know what the next week should be like? If you can do the next week, the, the week after that'll take care of itself. So that would be my, I guess my big takeaway is you always have the next breath. So don't, don't get wrapped up in your story about the, you know, all 10 breaths or all 20 breaths. That's a great point. Yeah. I mean, the reality is, but this goes back to kind of as the futurist, you can plan all you want. You don't know what's going to happen, but if you try, you know, this goes back to, cause we talk a lot about this podcast, just kind of the generalities of whether it's fitness or health or, starting a business or whatever it's like well you can't think you're going to be you know airbnb tomorrow right, right. <laughs> if you want to start a business you have to at least you know do something tomorrow meaningful yeah. to that and then the next day same with healthy eating I, that's why i love like james clear i'm not sure if you read atomic habits you know the whole yeah. like acting like someone that's a healthy person if you want to be right. healthy it's not oh i'm gonna eat you know carrot juice or whatever tomorrow like okay but it's the, it's the act of doing it. That's what gets you that repetition, which is the, the consistency is the most important thing. Yeah, you know? no, absolutely. Yeah. Like I, yesterday I was at this event and like, I didn't have, I didn't eat many fruits and vegetables. It's, it was impossible, frankly, at this particular event. And I like, you know, I felt like crap last night and I kind of woke up feeling like crap this morning. As I'm brushing my teeth this morning, I counted out. I was like, all right, if I eat three meals a day, 365, that's over a thousand meals in my lifetime. So yesterday I had one raunchy meal, one out of over a thousand that I'm going to have this month. So just start over. Yeah. You're starting over today. Yeah, exactly. Rebecca, this is a lot of fun. Um, God, I could probably talk You're to you for amazing, hours here. amazing, Brian. I appreciate well, I, you so much. Thank you. Now, where can folks say hello to you online? Do you spend any time on the watering holes in the social channels <laughs> or where, what's the... The, yeah, the best way is probably on LinkedIn. Um, if people subscribe to my newsletter um, and write me, I always write them back. So that's something I kind of take pride in. Um, you can sign up for our newsletter at RebeccaRyan.com. 
Um, I'm on the tweets occasionally, occasionally I don't do Insta. I'm just like, I got limited bandwidth for this stuff. And I try to just really focus on where I can make my most difference. So anyway, plus I don't look good enough for Insta, honestly. Like I, I ain't that I ain't as cute as you, Brian. Stop, stop that. <laughs> oh man. Well, Rebecca, this is uh, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And, uh, thanks for sharing your story. Yeah. Good luck. And you guys, everybody take care out there. Just get started. Hey everyone, and just one more quick thing before you head off on your day. If you're enjoying this podcast and are looking for other resources and tools to help you get started and move forward toward a happier and more fulfilling life, then I'd encourage you to head over to my website, brianondraco.com, and hit the subscribe button in the upper right corner. There you can find my newsletter and blog subscriptions, where I share insights and information around getting unstuck, perspective, mindset, relationships, habits, and much more. If you get a chance to sign up, I hope you enjoy. Thanks again for listening in and have a phenomenal day.